It's November 23rd, 2022, and this is your DSR Daily Brief. I'm Grant Haver. Chris Kotnor is out on special assignment. Our top stories from international outlets this morning. Two explosive devices were remotely detonated at a crowded bus stop in Jerusalem this morning, killing a 16-year-old and wounding at least 22 people, Haaretz is reporting. No group has taken responsibility for the deadly attack. The person who was killed in the attack was identified as a 16-year-old Israeli-Canadian yeshiva student. This story is still developing as of the time of recording, but if you become a member of the DSR network, you can get our evening newsletter, which will include an update. The BBC is reporting that protests have erupted at the world's biggest iPhone factory in the Chinese city of Guangzhou. Videos show hundreds of workers marching, with some confronted by people in hazmat suits and riot police. Those live-streaming the protests said workers were beaten by police. Videos also showed clashes. In its statement, the firm said some workers had had doubts about pay, but that the firm would fulfill pay based on contracts. It also described as patently untrue rumors that new recruits were being asked to share dormitories with workers who were COVID positive. Malaysia's king met with lawmakers today and will consult with other royal families in a continuing search for a prime minister after inconclusive general elections that saw the rise of Islamists' sparked anxieties in the multiracial nation, according to the AP. King Sultan Abdullah Sultan Ahmed Shah proposed a unity government after meeting after meeting with two of the leading parties yesterday, but former Prime Minister Muyadin's Malay-centric Perikatan National Party rejected the idea. The hung parliament renewed a leadership crisis in Malaysia that saw three prime ministers since 2018. Something we haven't discussed about this crisis is that the biggest winner of the general elections was the Pan-Malaysian Islamic Party, with 49 seats, more than double what it won in 2018. Known as PAS, it backs Islamic Sharia law, rules three states, and is now the single largest party in the parliament. As the contest for the top job drags on, police have tightened security as posts on social media warned of racial troubles if Anwar's multi-ethnic bloc wins. Malay Muslims form two-thirds of Malaysia's 33 million people, who include large ethnic Chinese and Indian minorities. Elsewhere, reporting by Al Jazeera suggests that more passengers would have been saved after the plane crash in Tanzania earlier this month if emergency workers had been better prepared and rescue operations launched more swiftly, a government report concluded. Investigators said the cause of the crash was still under inquiry, but the possibility of wind shear cannot be ruled out. 
The report issued yesterday is the first of three due to be released over the next year. Nineteen people died when the Precision Air passenger plane, carrying 43 people, plunged into Lake Victoria on November 6th, prompting a frantic rescue effort by nearby fishermen who were first to arrive and used canoes to pluck people to safety. Most of the victims were in the submerged front of the plane, which had nosedived into the lake. The two pilots could not escape the cockpit and were among the dead. Deutsche Welle is reporting that Brazil's outgoing president, Jair Bolsonaro, filed a 33-page formal appeal with the country's election authority, blaming the lost election on software bugs and demanding that votes cast on the majority of the nation's electronic voting machines be annulled. The complaint characterized the bug as irreparable noncompliance due to malfunction and called into question the authenticity of the results. The Liberal Party claimed that 280,000 of the voting machines lacked individual identification numbers and internal logs. However, the complaint did not specify what this meant for the results. The challenge comes three weeks after left-wing political heavyweight Luiz Inacio Lula da Silva won the election over Bolsonaro by the narrowest margin seen since Brazil's return to democracy in 1985. Survivors of an Indonesian earthquake that killed at least 268 people appealed for food and water today as rescuers picked through devastated villages with hopes of finding anyone alive fading. According to the Straits Times, the calls for help came as the authorities warned that debris from landslides caused by the strong quake in West Java needed to be cleared ahead of heavy rains forecast in the coming weeks threatening a second disaster. More than 58,000 people have been displaced by the quake, around 1,000 are injured, and 151 missing, with more than half of the dead still to be identified, the National Disaster Mitigation Agency said yesterday. The government has dispatched tents and other supplies for the displaced, and the military sent 12,000 personnel today to help with the rescue and aid efforts, officials said. The Scottish government can't hold an independence referendum without the UK government's consent, the UK's Supreme Court has said. The Guardian says that First Minister Nicola Sturgeon wants to hold a referendum on October 19th next year, but the court ruled unanimously that she does not have the power to do so. The UK government has so far refused to grant the formal consent for a vote that was in place before the referendum in 2014. Court President Lord Reid said the laws that created the devolved Scottish Parliament in 1999 meant it did not have the power to legislate on areas of the Constitution, including the union between Scotland and England, and he rejected the Scottish government's argument that any referendum would be advisory and would have no legal effort on the union, with people simply being asked to give their opinion on whether or not Scotland 
should become an independent country. In the absence of an agreement between the two governments, the Scottish Parliament, therefore, does not have the power to legislate for a referendum, he said. In lighter news, The Guardian reports that Saudi Arabia has said today will be a national holiday in celebration of its seismic 2-1 World Cup win over Lionel Messi's Argentina. The national football side's remarkable victory was being seen as both a triumph on the pitch and a huge moment on the global sports stage where the regional power has long sought a place in the spotlight. The public holiday will be for all state employees and the private sector and male and female students in all educational stages, the government announced on Tuesday evening. In a country battered by criticism over human rights and geopolitical positions, this was a nation-building moment, a chance to turn a political tide. Argentina had previously won 36 straight matches and is seen as a likely victor of the entire tournament. In celebration of the U.S. actually making the World Cup this year, the DSR Daily Brief is taking off tomorrow, Friday, and Saturday. Well, that, and it's also Thanksgiving here in the States. So that's all the news we have for you this week. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so that more people can find the show. If you have a tip, topic, or correction you'd like to flag for us, please email us at podcasts at thedsrnetwork.com. Members of the DSR Network will receive an evening newsletter version of the DSR Daily Brief and bonus weekend briefs. Last weekend, we spoke with Catherine Grothy, a research analyst for the Middle East and North Africa for Freedom House, about human rights issues in Qatar headed into the World Cup. If you aren't a member, go to thedsrnetwork.com and become a member to make sure you never miss any of our analysis. If you want more in-depth discussion of these issues, be sure to follow the links in the show notes to read our sources and tune into our sister podcasts on the DSR Network. Stay safe and stay tuned to the DSR Daily Brief.